Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. So today we are very excited because we get to talk about love interests. So generally for February and around Valentine's Day, we like to kind of focus in on romance. Not that we don't the rest of the year, because really we both read a lot of romance, so there's plenty to talk about it regularly. Um, But we like to focus a little more intentionally on writing romance in in these few weeks. So today we are going to be talking about alpha males, and kind of each of the next few episodes will take a different love interest archetype and talk about kind of what makes that archetype, some examples of that archetype, and maybe in a little bit about how to write that kind of character. Absolutely. So, I'm very excited. <laughs> I am too. I've really <laughs> been looking forward to this a lot. Good. It, because I think we've been circling around it yes. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like, we've touched on it in previous episodes. We've kind of just stepped a toe into it, yeah. but not really unpacked it or yeah. even talk about classic examples or kind of why we psychologically kind of relate or connect with these characters. Yes. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm particularly um, <laughs> intrigued by this conversation because alpha males, as you know, I've been reading a lot of alpha yes. males this year. They come up often in the books that I've been reading. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some of those, like fine print and um, things we never got over. Is that yeah. Lucy Scores? Yeah. yeah. And like Megan Quinn's series. Um, and they, I have like such mixed feelings about alpha males. Yes. I like really did not like them at first. I've grown to like them now. There are things that I like and don't like when they're portrayed. Um, yes. and like certain lines for me. And it, it's really fascinating though, how much people love alpha males. Like Absolutely. these are your, like the majority of your book boyfriends that people go nuts over, I feel like are alpha males yeah. to some regard. Absolutely. And there's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. I think, um, but one, do you mind if we kind yeah, of talk about the words that yeah. I think cluster around alpha males? Yes. Because if you look up definitions, it's it's very it is People squishy. People have their own definitions. Yeah, it's yeah. very squishy. There's lots of kind of this is what I think is a true yeah. alpha male, but yeah. there's not really really anything definitive. But I think if we throw a bunch of words out that yeah. we feel are within it. It kind of can help solidify it. Yeah, yeah. But I did want to say one thing is that from a human perspective, there is nothing that really is truthful about alpha males being related to actual people. I know that there's lots of things out there about alpha males and beta males, and that's actually not held true yeah. by psychology um, from a personality standpoint. So sure. a lot of this, I think, is just kind of looking back and saying, you know, fictional males, what are the characteristics mm-hmm. of what we call that alpha male trope? Yeah. And there's a lot of different words, and some of them are positive, some of them are negative. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd throw them out. Yeah. Um, things like often dominant, overprotective, possessive, strong, confident, assertive, feeling like he has a sense of control of the situation, Um, often powerful, men of action, motivated, protector, and often complex. Yeah. It's not, 
there's layers there. Yes. It's not just like yeah. you can look at him and see exactly who he is. So there's also often this kind of hidden element. Yes, yes. I love that. I think that's a big part, I th- probably, of, like, there's a couple reasons I've landed on, like, why people like these and why yes. I like them. And um, and I do think that a big part of it is that they are complex yes. and they produce tension. And we've talked before about how tension drives readers forward. And so yes. they create conflict, really, because so often they are, like, telling someone what to do. And yes. not that other person doesn't always respond well to that, and that creates this tension and conflict and you want to see how they're going to resolve it. Yes. Um, and then beyond that, you get these layers of like what's under that grumpy domineering, like controlling attitude. Um, and you want to see that too. And that drives readers forward also. And they often, I feel like have um, a good alpha male will often have a reason for that or yes. a backstory that shows how they got to that place. Um, which then makes them even more interesting and complex. Yes. And you, you don't always get that in other archetypes. Um, it's not maybe as necessary. Well, and there's definitely something that I think in those stories, especially when it's about kind of that mm-hmm. character development where he changes over time, yeah. where it's like there's something that draws, though, the female character in yes. usually. Um, and it could be that he's passionate. It could be there's, there is some element of that that is incredibly intriguing yeah. or difficult for her to stay away from. Sometimes we get to play with the bad boy trope here. Yes. Sometimes we get to play with the almost Cinderella story, yes. too. Yes, where, where it's like there are good and interesting things that are happening and there's lots of passion, but it's also kind of slightly on the toxic side or maybe we're like getting a little bit into the abusive side but often those things are made for him to change yeah often it's part of the actual complexity of the story the crux of like what's going to happen will he change or will he not like what will happen with that or they're there to make him likable because otherwise yes. I feel like these characters like really when you step back and think about some of the things these characters do like they're not that likable yes. sometimes and they can be really they I mean they can be alpha holes and yes I mean that's the whole other trope of, or subtrope of this trope <laughs> um but I think if the if there's not something there that the reader can relate to or connect yes. with or like or feel some sympathy or empathy for, yes. then you lose your reader. So when you're making these, you have to make them complex in order to keep the reader liking them, yes. which then creates better characters. Like, yeah. kind of, I don't know. I think we should pull some of that into maybe some of our other character writing. But Absolutely. Well, and, and these aren't mutually exclusive either. Mm-hmm. Like these great characteristics and mm-hmm. some of the things that we can enjoy. Yeah. As you said, with the alpha holes, you don't have to go that route. You can bring yeah, yeah. in some of these things that we consider to be alpha qualities. Confidence is sexy. Yeah. Passion is sexy. Yeah. Like, you can have a dynamic character that has those type of qualities, but it doesn't have to fall into all the, all the downside, yeah, too. Toxics. And you... And sometimes that then allows you to kind of play with different type of stories where it's yeah. not all about him overcoming those things where you can just have a human character who may need to develop but the whole the whole crux of the story doesn't have to rely on his development yeah I've been surprised lately how many books with this trope though I've seen that aren't about character development and are more about loving someone all parts of someone yeah does that make sense like that feels like another theme that comes up a lot in these books 
Um, yeah, I do think it's some of like it's interesting to me that I'm, I've been trying to figure out some of the appeal of some of the more toxic qualities yeah, here. Absolutely, and I think I just keep coming back to like um, cognitive load and decision fatigue, mm, and I absolutely. feel like there's a fantasy here about having someone step in yeah. and take all that stress off your plate oh, I agree. and just tell you what to do and this is how it's gonna be um and as much as the like feminist in me rebels against that yeah. it is sort of appealing i i completely under, i completely understand that of like someone being able to make choices someone being able to say this is this is what you should do yes. like i do think that often you know, we don't talk about it, but outsourcing our decisions, like, yeah. it is so appealing because we face so many decisions yeah. in a day. All the time. And even from a fantasy perspective, because mm-hmm. I think that when we look at books, a lot of that is we don't necessarily want to face the exact same things that we do in our normal sure. life. Because, yeah. to be honest, sometimes we can be fatigued by what it is yes. that we're struggling with. Which I think is sometimes why we put down books that like hit a little too close. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, I, those are oh, immediate do-nots for me. <laughs> it's a little close to what I'm experiencing right now. Have I told you my reaction? Sorry, this is a total No, no, go for it. <laughs> but Turtles All the Way Down by um, John John Green. John Green, yes. Yeah. That book, I like started it and at the beginning she's having this total existential crisis, this like panic. I, I like couldn't, I freaked out. I was like, nope, this no, is like no, someone no, took no, my brain no, and put no, it on no. paper. No, thank you. <laughs> I do not want that. This is triggering. In the yes. <laughs> but it is so true that I think sometimes we do want that distance. Yeah. We do want that ability to just step outside and just have someone who is confident feels like they are because there's a level of assurance usually with these characters yes well and they're usually doing it for your sake you know like there is this like protectiveness that almost always goes hand in hand with alphas and so usually even when they're being super bossy and domineering and like telling taking away agency from the character they're usually doing it for some reason that as the reader yes. we can understand and as the character we know is good for her like so yeah. that I don't know it makes it not okay but it does help you like to kind of um be like that would be nice if someone cared about me that much to just like yeah. take away this choice for me well and even to have like that sense of conviction right yes. like because sometimes in our own lives we don't necessarily have a sense of conviction over yeah, our yeah. choices and I feel like there's such a strong sense of certainty Mm. and conviction of this is the right path or step to take yeah even if you see that as interfering yeah you ultimately in many many of these stories you do feel that like it is going to be like that there is conviction that it is for the person's own continuing forward or or Mm -hmm. pushing outside themselves and their, their comfort zones but that ultimately will be for their benefit. Yeah. And there, it could be for many different reasons. Like maybe we even see it as, okay, this is like, often it's connected with pleasure. Yeah. And often it's seen as kind of that benefit that you don't necessarily trust Mm -hmm. when you haven't experienced it, but they have the experience to be able to say, you will enjoy this. And, and I get that. Like, yeah. I, I even get that about the, like, 
we see uncertainty as scary mm-hmm. and how I think some authors look at it as a way to push also their characters into yeah. new and different places. In a oh, very, they're super like, useful, like yeah, writing technique because they can interesting. They way. can be almost stand-ins for the author, where yeah. they push the story where the author wants it to go, absolutely, and push the other character where they want it to go. Um, whereas the other character wouldn't intrinsically yes. make that decision, you can use that alpha male to come in and be like, no, nope, this is what's happening. And I think that, too, where it doesn't feel hand-wavy because yeah, it's the exactly. actual character. Exactly. Like, and it's hard to show that internal change. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's so many uses for these characters. Mm-hmm. And I do think that often they are the shaking someone up mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. they completely allow for someone's entire world to shift Mm. and it feels it feels really interesting and authentic because we also have those experiences where we're all of a sudden interacting with someone and the things that they say get to us and we're like huh and we have like epiphanies and we change yeah you know especially with i think even partners Mm -hmm we are used to that dynamic changing over time. So I think that there's a lot there that is also a reflection of reality, which makes us accept those stories too. Mm -hmm. And we had talked about examples. I I think, you know, the the alpha holes, like I think James Bond is just a great example for that type (laughs) of alpha hole. Yeah. At least classic Bond. I think they've worked, especially in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. films, to make him different, but if you read the original stuff, it's all kind of this very, very strong, but... Yeah, and and women are... Yeah, not about (laughs) Yeah, not at all. And really, they're just seen as obstacles, Uh things to win or to lose or to get in their way. Um... But I think, like, even looking at classical, like, Heathcliff, mm-hmm. absolute <laughs> alpha male. Like, and, and not having very many of the softer qualities. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, he's pretty much a jerk the entire oh, yeah. time. But I think, though, that you get empathy in the beginning, which helps you sit with him. Yes. Um, Rochester, I think, would be a little bit more of a mellowed <laughs> Heathcliff. Mm-hmm. Still very... Strong, but the same. Doing I, I lots of manipulative things. Yeah. What's interesting though is, because I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking about how Rochester, like one, he's given empathetic backstory. Yeah, she has him play the piano. There's like softening features mm-hmm. around him, but when you really look at all the things he does, yeah, he does so many. Yeah. So many manipulative things throughout, and he doesn't change. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. which I find very interesting because another example I think could be potentially Mr. Darcy. And the crux of that story is either he is changing or we're seeing more depth to him, which he actually, and we'll talk about it more, but he actually, like, when you get to the center of him is a lot more of a cinnamon roll. Yeah. I mean, you can be both. Um, you can have He's a nice one, both. though. Yeah. A nice example, because he is really... Um, he has a lot of those 
alpha qualities and that kind of like strong yeah. character yeah. thing. But he doesn't feel like an alpha whole time. Yes. I mean, he kind of, you know, he's a little mean sometimes, but not like yeah. total, I don't know, total jerk kind of thing. And I, I think at first, and, like, yeah. and not in like a manipulative way. Maybe yes. that's kind of what helps me with him. <laughs> I think so too. Like, and I think he kind of starts out in this we don't get to see the real him yeah like we and we don't get into his head Mm -hmm. so we have to judge based on what she's seen and i think jane austen does a little bit of a magic trick because we see a very like stereotyped view of him and that's not all of him like he has a lot more depth underneath but i feel like you also get the sense that that's true even from like like, as the reader, one of my favorite things yeah. is when you have these types of characters and we're in the female's perspective. Yes. And so we get her, like, we we see and are yeah. in line with her perception. Yes. But that the, when the writer can, like, hide little, like, hints of things yeah. that let us know, like, ooh, there's more going on here. Yes. But I love that. It's so hard to do as a writer, but I just love that. I do, too. And I, I think... I think Pride and Prejudice is a great example for that because yeah. he cares so much about his sister. They're like there are these little hints that he's writing her a letter and mm-hmm. but yet we still are sitting with Elizabeth yeah. and how she sees him <laughs> and and she's not she's not completely wrong. Right. She's just not 100% right. right. <laughs> and I like that he he has flaws. Mm-hmm. Like he's elitist and yeah. he thinks that he is right all the time. And that alpha. is part Those of are all very alpha qualities. But that's part of what he has to wrangle in. Like yeah. he has to acknowledge, see it, and make active steps to change. Yeah. And I love like my favorite part is when she calls him on his shit. Like yeah. it is so delightful when he's trying to propose and she's like, No, because of all of these things. And he actually, at one point, and it's sarcastic, but he thanks her for explaining so fully. <laughs> and then he, like, snarks back. Mm-hmm. But she did. Like, mm-hmm. she explained so fully why it would never work. Yeah. And then he goes back and does the, like, growth work of, like, working on it yes. so that he changes. And she also is forced to kind of deal with her own flaws. Yeah. And I love stories that actually do that where... Mm-hmm. It recognizes those flaws and don't doesn't put them up as perfection. Yeah. Because so I'm gonna bring up Twilight if that's okay. Yeah. Um I I will say that I I enjoy Twilight. Yeah. I enjoy reading it and we so, talked about it. Yeah. It's um, a book crack. I'm, you can't put it down. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. But I am going to say but there that, are problems for sure. Yes. That Edward <laughs> and his character development that could have happened doesn't really. <laughs> he pretty much is set up to be this almost kind of ideal Adonis type of character. Mm-hmm. And he really doesn't have to grapple with the fact that yeah. he's very possessive. And yeah. he, especially like when we get into the eclipse and I mean... He is it at first as well. It's not that yeah. he like all of a sudden gains these, but you see them play out so much more in the yeah. last two of this active possessiveness and kind of taking away autonomy. And I just stalk her much. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. And that's, I think that looking at that and then saying, if we're putting yeah. these characters up as a, an example of perfection, which I think is 
I think it's difficult to do in any story because mm-hmm. really them having flaws that then actually pay off into sure. actual change is really satisfying. Um, but I think that sometimes that then can be passed down into story, other stories as this is okay. It gives yeah. it cover. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's interesting to think about. Yeah. I think this type of character or love interest is often put on a pedestal for yeah. sure. Yeah. And is often, I mean, like I said, I think the majority of book boyfriends that you see on TikTok yeah. or other things are, are alpha males. Like that is, um, yeah, there's something appealing about them. Yeah. But they do create good stories. They do. Well, and I, there's two other things I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of talk about. Um, one, I think it's interesting to look at Christian Grey. Um, I have not read the stories, but I think it's fascinating that even though that character is toxic, mm-hmm. he does actually have to grapple with those things mm-hmm. and make changes by mm-hmm. the end. At least that is part of that story. Yeah. And then also I wanted to talk a little bit about Kylo Ren. Um, because I feel like Kylo Ren is the facade that Ben Solo wears Mm -hmm. and he's definitely very alpha male, very like he is so strong because Ben Solo feels so weak. Mm. Uh, But I find it interesting that even though we connect originally with Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens, I think his character becomes so much more interesting when we see the mask come off. Yeah, for sure. In, like, The Last Jedi mm-hmm. and The Rise of Skywalker. And we can talk about him more as Ben Solo in a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of step that toe in about looking at that character of, like, the power he attempts to put out there uh-huh. and to then make him feel like everything is under control, even though he he doesn't have everything (laughs) under control. And I do think that when we look at these characters, I love when we see a mix of things. I love when we see complexity and not just... For me, I think I like seeing characters that have a mix of... You can have a passionate character who's also a cinnamon roll. You can have... You can even have a possessive cinnamon roll like you can have so many different elements here you don't have to have you don't have to have one thing and you don't have to you can actually have an alpha character who falls into the trope but doesn't have the negative side too Mm. that doesn't isn't possessive and doesn't take away autonomy Mm. like you can even have one who values consent yeah and i just love the idea of looking at it from the standpoint of what is it that we love and enjoy mm-hmm. here and how can we take that away? Mm-hmm. And then lastly, there's, in most romances, there's usually a like part where, especially when his development is part of the yeah. story, where there's like bringing him to his knees or yeah. groveling and asking for your... Yes. Um, <laughs> your basically to take them back or yeah. to where he gets called see, out like in yeah. prejudice or there's some like moment of, to see yeah. them as they are like there's a wonderful apology in pride and prejudice yeah. for like him being an asshole like, yeah and i just think that's also super appealing that's, <laughs> there is something there that i think yes. we all long for for mm-hmm. someone who has done things yeah. to recognize them and to seek our forgiveness, mm-hmm. like, in that very, 
demonstrative way. Yeah. And I think when that's done really well, it can be really psychologically appealing. And, yeah. And cathartic. <laughs> and it creates, again, for interesting stories, it creates yeah, that conflict and resolution that we want to see. Yes. And I, I think there's also probably something appealing about the fantasy of someone powerful being yes. brought to their knees for you. Right? <laughs> it makes you feel powerful, you know? Like, I... So I think vicariously we get to experience that. When... Absolutely. And I actually think that that's one of the things we love about Twilight so much. Yeah. Like, is this powerful immortal mm-hmm. is brought to their knees just because you're you. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah, I'm here for that. <laughs> Agreed. All right, well, we will wrap up there. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave a review. That helps other people find us. And we hope you keep reading and writing and putting your voice out into the world.